Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Southeast Whitetail, uh, Mark Haslam. And today on the line, I've got Kale Lewis from Charleston, South Carolina. Kale, appreciate you, you uh, joining me today. Yes, sir, Mr. Mark. I'm uh, happy to be here and happen to, happy to be talking about some deer. That's right. Uh, it's, it's what, early, early October. So, I mean, this is, this is the time to get into it. Um, I'm ready to get out there and try to hunt some of these pre-rut bucks. Got some nice Absolutely. weather coming in. Absolutely. Well, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, who you are and um, where you hunt exactly? Um, I mean, <laughs> not specifically like GPS coordinates, but kind of general areas where you hunt and what that terrain looks like for people that maybe aren't from, aren't around the low country area of South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm Cale Lewis. Um, I was born in Charleston, went to Wando High School, played football and baseball there. Um, thought I was going to be playing sports in college, and that ended up ended up not working out. And that was for um, definitely for the best. Um, I've been able to spend a lot of time outdoors the past few years. I went to the College of Charleston, just graduated in uh, in May, and uh, you know I was like I said, able to spend a lot of time outside and um, really just develop my skills as a hunter and, and knowledge and um, form some really good relationships with some people around here. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I, so I hunt mainly all around the low country. Um, I, I'm able to hunt in the, uh, the national forest that's up here close to Charleston. That's been a real big um, value to me having it, you know, 15, 20 minutes outside my front door. Um, I've been a part of a few leases around the low country and then most re most recently um, become friends with a guy and um, got some some access to be able to hunt a really nice piece of property down towards the Ace Basin, um, more of an island type property, a little bit different than the, the inland, you know, slightly inland type terrain I've been hunting um, a lot of your, you know, big old mature oaks. And the property itself um, is mainly managed for agriculture. So during the early season, I mean, it is, it is just an absolute magnet for the deer. Um, it gets rotated between corn, um, peanuts, soybeans. Those are pretty much the main three. And I would say probably 50% of the 450 acres, uh, maybe a little bit less than that, is, uh, is um, in row crop production and, um, you know, got good stuff that deer like to eat. So um, it's, it's a really, really fun place to hunt a little bit. Like I said, a lot different than what I'm used to hunting leases or, um, you know, typical pine tracks that you can't really do a whole lot with. I mean, you know, you're still grateful to be out there and grateful to get to hunt and stuff, but it's, you know, being able to have a piece of property that, you know, somebody that you're friends with owns and um, be able to put some time and sweat equity in out there and then, you know, be able to, to take a, a quality deer and just enjoy your time out there is a, is a, it's a lot different than a, than a lease or, you know, hunt public land, which again, those are great, but um, you know, it's just a little bit different for me personally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure it is. So it's about 450 acres of row crops, corn, peanuts, and soybeans. Are those pretty like large, larger size fields or are they, kind of smaller chopped up and you know um how would you describe those like field sizes so 
the whole property itself is 450 acres and the actual fields are, I don't know, somewhere, I would say somewhere around 150 to maybe upwards of 200 of it. So, you know, a little bit less than 50% of it, but um, each field that the, that are, that's leased out to the farmers, um, I think the smallest one that, that they actually put, the farmers put their um, crops in, I would say is maybe 12 to 15 acres with the biggest being 25, 30, 35, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, nice. so, you know, good size fields. It, it's, you know, the property is, is, has been managed for, like I said, um, you know, for growing crops, not necessarily for, you know, the most ideal, you know, deer habitat ever. It's, it, it really, with those big fields, it kind of focuses the deer a little bit in some of those bedding areas and some of the timber that is on the property. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot of the deer come from off the property. Yeah. Um, and so that creates some challenges, but it also creates some benefits as well. Um, so yeah, just, you know, they're just those big fields with all the different kinds of, um, food planted in there. And then, you know, a lot of those big picturesque, um, you know, old oak trees hanging over the sides. I mean, it is, it's really beautiful piece of property. Yeah. That it sounds like it, that, that there's some, there's some gorgeous tracks of land, uh, and old plantations in that area of the, of the Ace Basin going all the way up to where you are in, in, in uh, in Charleston. What, um, you mentioned corn, peanuts, and soybeans. Do you have y'all? Do you notice a difference, or as far as what the deer like? Um, you know, because if if you have those three rope, you know, those are three of the primary ones we that you know uh, that deer love that are planted down here in our area of uh, of the South. Do you find maybe deer go in the corn more? Your corn's probably already cut, make corn more because there's more safety or are they hitting the beans harder or the peanuts? Yeah. Another so it's typically all or nothing. Um, my, my friend's family, they, they keep about two of the fields that are, you know, six or eight acres each and they'll plant for typically whatever the farmer doesn't plant that year. So this year it's all peanuts. Last year it was, I think, all corn. Yep. And then the year before that, um, I believe was peanuts again. Um, so, you know, hunting those huge fields when before the corn has been cut. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it, it's great because, you know, the deer feel secure in there, hanging out in there at night and then leaving in the mornings or coming into it in the afternoons. But it creates your challenges um, with some of the way that the field's set up, um, you know, you you basically got to catch them before they get in there and you got about the, you know, 10 yard little gap in a lot of those instances. Um, and you know, they, they hit it super hard and the deer density where this property is, is just, I mean, it's, it's insane. I mean, we walked around in the middle of July and just, I just, I think we counted almost over a hundred deer between three different fields. Um, I mean that, and that was 30 minutes before, before dark, you know? So yeah, yeah. really from year to year, it, it just depends. Um, I would say the, with the peanuts this year, it has definitely been a lot more user-friendly um, as far as just, you know, once the deer gets out in there, you know, those peanuts are anywhere from, you know, a foot and a half to maybe two feet tall in some instances. And that, you know, that's a lot, a lot more friendly as a hunter um, as far as just get, being able to get a shot off. But, I mean, they really hammer any, any crop that's in there just again, because the, the deer density is so high. 
Yeah, it, it, that sounds similar to where I hunt as far as the uh, deer density. It, it's when you get in those kind of numbers, um, it's tough because, you know, you, you're at that point, you know, you're going to have some nice bucks in your property, but at the same time is, is that you've got to shoot does. And then there's, there's that balance of like, there's a certain amount of does that you need to shoot. And the more you shoot, um, and when I say shoot, you know, you can, you can bow hunt, but I, when you're in those kind of numbers, and I know this firsthand, cause that's, that's where we are. You can't kill those kind of numbers with a bow with does. You just, you just can't, you know, so you start hunting more with a rifle, there's more pressure and this, and then it gets, there's that threshold of like, the more you hunt, the more you shoot, and less light, the less likely you're going to see those big bucks. So it, it, it's, um, I think, I think some people might think that it's just like a, some, like that kind of density is like a paradise, but it, 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 it's got challenges. And then you, and then if your habitat, like the more you improve habitat, the more deer are going to come in. So it's, it's it, it can sort of be tough. Well, let's get let's get into this buck that you um, and your friend were after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible buck. He's down. That's a cool story behind it. Let's just let's jump right into it, Gail. All right. So um, I we actually did not have any pictures of this deer um, this past year. I started hunting at the property really consistently in 2020 didn't run any cameras. It was, you know, just kind of, again, the deer density is so high, you know, if you're not seeing double digits in a night, you know, that's kind of a slower evening or morning or whatever. Um, but 2021 started running cameras and with the corn being so thick while it was there, you know, you kind of just on the edge of those fields, you know, you, you just kind of pick a spot and, you know, maybe you can put a salt lick there or something like that. But, really putting out corn at that point to try and get pictures isn't really going to do you any favors just because the corn's already there. Um, so last year we really didn't have too many bucks on camera that we were super interested in in going after. Um, there's one or two that were, you know, some older deer that definitely needed to be taken. And there was a couple of those taken, but really, you know, no, no giants or anything like that, that, you know, you, you really, really are after. And so this past year, um, or this past summer, excuse me, um, we got pretty serious about it, had a good game plan going into the summer. And we were trying to get our cameras out around, um, 4th of July and a friend of my, my buddy, who's his family owns the property. He was out there, um, with his grandfather and, uh, was able to see this buck in a peanut field. The wind happened to be in their face and he was able to sit there and and take pictures of it at 40 yards for about 10 minutes. And, you know, he sends me those pictures, calls me freaking out. And I, you know, at that point, you know, if that deer's there right now, based on the history of seeing some of the bucks out there, you know, they should still be there for opening day, considering, you know, it starts August 15th where we are. Um, So we got all excited and, uh, happened to have another really nice 10 point show up and they started running together. And I mean, it, it was, it was a night and day difference this summer, as far as the summer scouting and trail camera inventory and in-person sightings, just as far as the mature deer that we were walking, that we were seeing. Um, and obviously the, 
the one that um, my friend killed last week was, you know, the, the top of the, the hit list for sure. But there was probably four or five mature bucks that we were had our, our sights set on. Um, so as the summer goes on, beginning of August, middle of August starts coming around and we had kind of figured out um, where this buck was living again with the with the fields being as big as they are and the limited amount of timber, it really kind of isolates those deer into where they can be. So the, the, again, with the, the property having so much ag on it and there's always farmers, there's always somebody driving around on a tractor, you know, the deer kind of get used to it to a certain degree, but when you, when you do something different than what those things are used to seeing, um, that's, that's when it can get a little hairy. You know, you start leaving scent where scent normally isn't and you start, you know, making a bunch of noise where noise normally isn't made, that's when they can get real spooky. So we figured out this block of timber he was living in and um, my, my friend wasn't able to hunt the opening day. Um, so I sat in the stand where we had been seeing him in this other 10 point and they came out and I shot at the other buck, missed him. Um, and later that night ended up sitting in a different field and seeing the buck that my friend killed that night. So he showed up in the morning, showed up in the afternoon, broad daylight. You know, we're thinking this thing is going to be a done deal as soon as he's able to hunt. Um, he hunts the next day. I believe it was Wednesday morning, um, the 16th of August. And uh, it, the deer didn't show up. He didn't really, wasn't really showing up on cameras for a few days after that. Um, and then about the 26th of August, jumped in the stand that I had sat the evening of the opener. And I happened to be sitting with him as I had actually killed a buck three or four days before. It's a 190 pound, you know, just solid eight point. Um, and we have a, we have a one buck limit out there this year, which I think has been great. Um, there's some other guys that hunt out there and just making sure everybody's on the same page has been, has been great. Um, so sitting there, we're just, you know, halfway messing around just you know goofing off a little bit about an hour before dark and this buck happened to walk out and uh my friend shot and missed so we're all down in the dumps and uh you know upset but you know with with how regular he had been during summer we had we had hoped that he would stick around and we actually got a picture of him uh late late that night i think around midnight in a different field um just kind of cruising the, the tree line so knew he was at least still around at that point and then from about the end of august till maybe the between the second and third week of september um he didn't really show up a whole lot in daylight and you know it was the i'm sure as a lot of people in the south see you know sometimes that those first couple of weeks of september can be real tough um deer movement in general had kind of decreased and all, all of a sudden we got that uh that cold front um you know, that week and he started showing back up in daylight and, you know, we had been hunting this, that, that two weeks or so. Um, and just without seeing him and, you know, finally it got to the point where it was like, you know, this deer could pick up and leave at any minute. And, um, you know, we, we kind of came to the decision that we needed to get a little bit aggressive with him considering, you know, he was still, we knew he was still living in that same block of timber. Um, but he just wasn't showing up in daylight and the fields are very permanent or excuse me, the stands are very permanent. Um, 
you know, there's, there's just kind of a, a way that they've been doing things out there for a long time. And that doesn't typically involve moving stands or climbers or ground blinds or whatever. Um, so that kind of creates a whole nother challenge in itself, but you know, you, it's just the way things have been done out there for a while. And it's, you know, it's his grandfather's property and, you know, you, you just want to respect the way that he does things. So we finally decided that, uh, we needed to get a little bit aggressive. We put a camera in that block of timber, started getting them very consistently in daylight. And at that point decided to put a ground blind just inside the timber um, over a scrape and a little bit of a, a trail. And um, basically to make that a little bit shorter, put it in there. I want to say this was last Tuesday, last Tuesday at about two o'clock and sat there that night saw a few deer jumped in the the same spot the next morning and hadn't seen a deer had actually gotten blown out on the way in so our, our confidence wasn't super high this was right before um hurricane ian was um supposed to show up this is about 36 48 hours before so we'd started getting some of the effects and we're sitting there in the ground blind and look up and the deer is looking at us at 40 yards and it was just one of those things you just immediate reaction put his head down my buddy was able to get his gun up and dropped him right there at 45 yards and just we just went absolutely berserk because you know when you see a deer like that uh, it just yeah and you, you know it's him and all that work we had, we had put in and um the time and effort of getting everything right making the decision to get aggressive had had paid off and it was just it's one of the coolest experiences I've I've ever been a part of. That's awesome. So y'all were sitting together? Yep. I uh again with the one buck limit, I mean I I was I'm still eating a lot of the the meat from the deer that I killed. So I just don't have the freezer space yeah. to start shooting does yet. So I mean I, we had just been enjoying kind of hunting together a little bit. Um and so I was able to sit there and actually was able to film it. So that was, oh, cool. that was just awesome. Yeah. That, that, um, that's awesome. I mean, I, that's a pretty badass story. I, it, and you're right. Like, you know, <clears throat> most of the bucks <clears throat> that I end up killing, which not everyone I see, obviously, but it is, you're right. Like when you see, even if it's a, well, first it's really cool when you see that buck that you have pictures of maybe through like camera or maybe you saw him, and then all of a sudden you see him in person, you know, he just shows up. That's always all in, in to where like, you don't mean like study him. You don't get your binoculars. You see him, you know, that's him. And, um, and then also like what you said, when they just show up, you know, and there they are. Um, and I like how y'all got aggressive. Um, because, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people, look at like there, there's way of be, being aggressive when sometimes it can backfire and it can really kind of, it can affect a lot of like more of your season. Um, but sometimes, I mean, if you're, if you've got, if you've got some action in a certain area and there's, and there's deer coming into these fields, like what you said, that's y'all did. I mean, obviously did exactly what y'all should have done. I mean, that was excellent hunting of just, knowing you got deer coming in this area, this is where they're feeding, get aggressive and kill them. Because if not, then, you know, he's in right now, he would be in pre-rut mode, you know, pretty soon. And then, and then during the rut, I mean, I, I you know, it, sometimes hunting specific bucks during the rut can get very, 
uh, it, it can it can burn a lot of time because you know you're trying to hunt the buck, but then but then the bucks are hunting does. I mean they're they're not they're not coming in to feed regularly. They're just looking for does. Um, I, I've got some questions from that story first. So your so, so your buddy saw this buck at forty yards. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I mean, did he end up spooking when he first saw him over the summer? Mm-hmm. And to music photos, was he did did the buck spook off at the end? So that that was what astonished me. Um, after he had sent me pictures, I called him. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You scared? Yeah. You know, you can't you can't bump a deer like that. And he said, no, he stood there at 40 yards for 10 minutes. Um, and then eventually fed off into the field a little bit further. And, uh, so, I mean, they were, I don't know how that, that happened, but I, it's one of those things. His, his grandfather actually had a stroke about three, three weeks ago. And for them to see that deer together and for this whole kind of story to come together and him to be a part of it, it was just, I mean, just something out of almost a book. I mean, it was, it was one of the, again, one of the coolest experiences I've ever seen from them seeing them together, being a part of the miss. And then, you know, once everything happened last Wednesday, it was just, uh, just absolute elation from everybody. Definitely. Yeah. That that's awesome that um, y'all got to share with your friend's grandfather, you know, you just, I, there's some deer that, you know, people, sh- I mean, there's some deer that a lot of hunters shoot. I mean, I, I do it ever so often where you, a buck steps out and you shoot them and you have no history on them. You just, you, you know, you know, because, you know, you, you put trail cameras out and you're not getting every buck on trail camera. Um, and then, you know, during the rut more show up, but it's when you know of one, or maybe you, you've got a part of the story is you know, wrapped around other family or friends. It just makes it that much cooler and more special. Um, Absolutely. and you're spot on about that point about, about when you do something different, that's when deer notice, um, that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Especially I, I started hunting that third week in August. Um, and you're right. It's like the deer that time of year are going to do what they've been doing for most of the summer for the most, you know, for the most part, as long as that mm-hmm. food's still there. But man, as soon as you, I mean, you start hunting and they, they just change. I mean, they, I mean, I, that's why I like years ago, I used to, a couple of times I tried to glass fields, you know, with like, you know, over the summer with a spotting scope or something and their binoculars. And we've got some fields where you can do it based on where they are, like around a house or a road, but the fields are like on like middle of the property. You can't do that, man. Just because. Right. You know, you're, you're going to bump one one deer, and they're going to blow, and it's going to just affect all, all the other deer. Did y'all have some challenges? I mean, I'm sure you did. When you're hunting these big fields, especially early season, and with your density, and you're coming and going, whether it's the morning or, or like an evening hunt, were y'all – did y'all do anything different, or were y'all just pretty stealth to where – because, I mean, you know, even if you don't pull the trigger – with that kind of density, you've got deer all around you, whether you see them or not. So, um, I mean, that, that's a whole other level of challenges of just basically, you know, hunting, you know, getting in and out of your stand um, somewhat undetected. So you're not educating a lot of deer, um, especially the ones that time of year where you're not trying to shoot, you know, does and small bucks. Right. Right. So to, again, as I kind of touched on earlier, there's kind of, 
there's a, a little bit of a way of, of how things have been done out there for a long time. And with that comes permanent stands and the, the, the hesitation towards change, the hesitation towards, um, you know, adjustments. And about the same time that deer kind of stopped showing up, we had noticed that the, the main two fields he had been coming out in have a block of timber that where he was staying. And so we, um, that's ended, ended up being where we killed him was that block of timber. But um, we started noticing about a week or two in the season, you know, all those deer that were, you know, coming out at 40, 50 yards, we're starting to come out at 100, 150 yards. And, you know, the deer that were out there at 150 were two, 300. And yeah. it's just one of those things when, when the, the timber is so limited and the stands are so permanent, you, there's not a whole lot of adjustment you can do with that high deer density. I mean, you, you're going to have to pick an area to blow your scent into one way or the other. And, it, it just, it doesn't, the field that, he, that we were mainly hunting actually sets up well for, you know, either mainly just any sort of north or south wind. Um, it's kind of, it's more facing east, west and north, south kind of sets up pretty well. But at, like you said, you know, it does create your challenges. Um, but at, at this point out there, it's just kind of one of those things that we've just with, with how permanent the stands are, we just kind of said, you know what, this is, you know, right here, we're, we're going to have to give this up. And, yeah. you know, the wind is never going to be, you know, exactly perfect. Just again, considering how high the, the deer densities are. So there's just going to always be that one little area that's catching some wind where you don't want it to be. Um, and that's what it ended up being great with the, with the, uh, the way that we used the trail cameras in that block of timber, we were able to figure out the spot that was best for um, any sort of northwest, north or northeast wind. Um, it backed up to a big dike, and all we had to do was hop over the dike and drop right down into the uh, into the the ground blind. And so all of our wind was mainly getting pushed right up and over and across a pond. Um, so that was, I think, that was a big contributor as to why wide you know we set up that ground blind at two o'clock one afternoon and shot the deer the next morning at 7 20 and that was without a doubt the first time he had crossed through there you know within that last 20 hours or 18 hours so that that access is a, is a big big thing out there for sure yeah i mean that's that's pretty badass to say the least that y'all set it up midday and then in the next morning you kill them and it's also a testament of 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 your skill and knowledge to be able to set up a, a ground blind to where a mature buck is going to is going to come by it within shooting range and not it not it not get spooked off by said ground blind i mean sometimes you know if you just set up a a ground blind you know if it's not brushed in or, or there's no concealment it's going to stick out like a sore sore thumb and it might right. they might not might spook off but they're going to look at it and see there's a big block of something that they're not that wasn't there the day before or last time. So yeah, that, that was some excellent, excellent hunting. Um, so what's, so what's your buddy going to do after this? Is he, is he, does he have plans the rest of the season or was he, is he just still riding high? I'm sure he is. Oh, I, I think we've gotten on the phone probably two to three times every day since last Wednesday and relived it in some <laughs> shape or form. I mean, yeah. just, 
it's just one of those things. I mean, he he has not killed a buck out there in four years, five years. And, you know, just been waiting and waiting for a, a buck like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he killed, you know, just like everybody, you know, or at least in a lot of cases, your your standards kind of rise as you get a little bit older. And he got to that point, you know, late high school time. And, uh, you know, with it being in the family and, you know, putting in all the time and effort out there, um, it just made it really cool. But, but again, the, the one buck limit out there has kind of made things a little bit interesting. And there's been three very old mature bucks taken so far this year. Um, so for a 450 acre property with three mature bucks being taken, you know, in the first month and a half month and some change of the season, I mean, he, I, I told him, I said, man, you know what, if you kill this deer, I will be happy if I don't pull the trigger again the rest of the year. I mean, it just, yeah, it meant that yeah. much to everybody involved. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, in 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 the in the and have already killed three um, on that property. That's a testament to y'all's um, hunting ability. But you know, when you factor in the deer density, and and, and that's what I was talking about before. I mean, if if, if people don't hunt or or have hunt in those kind of areas, it, it, it's you know, yeah, you might see a lot of deer, but you got a lot of deer all around you, behind you, and. Just mm-hmm. like what you said uh, before about your point about where do you want your scent to blow? I, I think about that all the time. It's like, you know, your scent might be good for this particular stand, but it's blowing somewhere and there's gonna probably deer back, you know, where it's blowing to. Um, and that can definitely pose some problems down the road. All right. Last question was Buck. Did y'all have different wind when y'all were hunting based on uh, Hurricane Ian coming through or you know, meaning with like, did y'all get some favorable wind that maybe you wouldn't have um, with that storm not passing through last last week, or is it pretty normal? To be honest with you, it was it was fairly normal, but it was it was an increased um, velocity. So I mean, yeah. it was you know instead of you know single digits or you know peaking at ten, it was it was a steady you know fifteen or so that morning, and it was mainly coming from the north and we got a little bit of swirl in there which was Mm -hmm. why we got blown at on the way in and i mean i that's why we were kind of nervous sitting in there but you know that ground blind does help trap your scent a little bit yeah um so as long as that wind was fairly consistent from the north and it was once it got to us it was swirling more behind us in the area that that that's one of the few spots on the property where you can blow wind and you're pretty much don't have to worry about it um but yeah i mean it was it was definitely a a little bit different but um mainly that darkness um from the from the overcast and um being inside of a in in the timber with that those old um oaks everywhere and that thick canopy i mean able to we were able to slip in i mean really really quiet with that extra wind and um so that it definitely i think it definitely helped us out yeah, I, I, I mean, I love hunting in with some wind. I mean, if, if it's, you know, a hurricane wind, of, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles per hour, I probably won't, but I like a good steady wind. I mean, just so, just because more than likely it's going to blow true. It might swirl a little bit, but when that wind gets like below 10 miles an hour, or like five, you just, I mean, it might blow, especially this time of year, like true 
you know, for the prediction, you know, and then for like, but then like one or two minutes at a, at a every, every 10 minutes, it's going to shift just a little Absolutely. bit. So, but yeah, I, that's what I noticed. I, I didn't, I was in my in-laws last weekend and in the last week hunted. And, and yeah, I, I did notice the wind was blowing more true, um, which, which was definitely good. So that's a pretty badass story. What, so what's your, what are your plans? We're right now kind of getting close to pre-rut. In fact, what, what do you, um, are the does, you know, when does come in heat in that area? They're typically a little bit earlier. I mean, we're, at, at that specific property i mean you're only shoot seven eight miles from the beach yeah. um six seven miles from the beach so it's typically i mean i i saw several bucks bumping around some does as as early as two weeks ago yeah um so it's typically a little bit earlier i'd say in about a week or so it really should start kicking up and then you know anywhere from there through first week second week in november i mean it with the again um they just it it really it's really a lot earlier than even just those inland properties i used to hunt that are you know only 30 miles as the crow flies from the beach but um it really about a week or two it should get cranked up yeah yeah and that's was pretty similar in my place um so what's your plans uh, rest of the season? Got pre-rut coming up, right straight in the rut. What, what are your you have any goals rest of the season, or what's your hunting plans? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be hopping in a tree or uh, from the ground this afternoon um, in the National Forest. I uh, Like I've now mentioned a few times, that one buck thing has, uh, you know, kind of halted the buck hunting out there. Definitely plan on taking a few a handful of does and doing my part as far as, you know, managing the doe numbers. But, um, my next goal for this year is just to take a, a quality deer, um, from the national forest. I've, I've hunted in there a good bit and I've, I've turkey hunted in there a ton, duck hunted in there a ton, but my deer hunting with, you know, having pretty good access to some, some quality properties for the past, you know, 10 years or so it, your, your motivation to go to those, you know, is probably going to be a little bit higher. Um, so my goal for the rest of the year is to definitely try and get a mature buck, um, what, you know, relative of size, just a, a good mature buck from some public land. Um, I've been fortunate enough to take a bunch of turkeys out of there and, and, and ducks and, you know, it's, it's very, very fulfilling to do that. So I think if I can, um, get a, a, a good buck on the ground that would that would be very very re- rewarding considering i've already you know was able to kill that buck a couple weeks ago and already had a successful season for sure yeah and, and i'm sure and, I, and i'm sure that if you're in the in in that in that area um or the national forest that you can be hunting if you're in there duck hunting and also turkey you probably have noticed i mean even if you weren't even trying to scout for deer you probably notice all kinds of sign um Absolutely. You know, that you notice duck hunting, turkey hunting that you're going to, you're just going to roll right into right now. So when you go in a public land to hunt, um, what's your setup look like? I mean, as far as stand, you know, what, what do you, what kind of stand are you walking in with or what, what do you, do you like to sit on, um, 
you know, some try to find some acorns, get outside bedding or, um, you know, what's kind of like your general strategy you're thinking? So to be honest with you, I do a lot of, um, of hunting from the ground in there. Um, I really, really enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and from, uh, you know, a scouting standpoint, there's, there's a lot of the national forest that backs up to water, whether that's, you know, on the North side to the river or some of the bottom areas to, to some more marsh, um, type habitat. And that's what I'm used to hunting, um, is that, that marsh and the, the transitions between, you know, the oak trees and the pines out there to the marsh and some of those more, um, deserted, not deserted, but, um, you know, islands that are out there by themselves that are real isolated. That's the kind of stuff that I, I really target, um, with how, with how big just the woods are in, in the national forest. I mean, it, it can make it hard when, you know, you've got a bunch of, of acorns all around you, you get a bunch of oak trees and, um, a lot of it's so thick that you, it's hard to, to narrow down, you know, you know, say a deer is going to be bedding here. I mean, it, in a lot of places in there, it's a deer can bed here, here, or anywhere. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's just, so I like to target those kind of more isolated, um, little islands and, uh, get in some of the, the marshier areas and the swampier areas. And you also get away from people doing that. I mean, being so close to a, a bigger town, like Charleston, I mean, it gets, it gets plenty of pressure, um, from people of all different kinds of skill levels. So, you know, you might have somebody come walking through there in, you know, blue jeans and orange hat, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, they're just a little <laughs> yeah. bit different than, than, you know, how I like to hunt and how some, you know, people like to hunt in general, but, um, yeah, so I'm getting, getting away from the people and getting to some of those more, isolated areas has has definitely been beneficial for me um and it seems like a when a, a lot of times in those areas when you know there's getting a, there's a lot of pressure in those bigger woods type settings those bucks will push out and get away and a lot of times it, it they do that you know they'll do that with to set up for a, a good win when they're bedding down and that creates a whole nother challenge right there. I mean, you got to figure out ways to get around them and all of that. So um, I kind of like to be mobile in there, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. If I find a, you know, a really good feed tree or, uh, you know, some super hot scrapes or something like that, I mean, it's, it's hard to walk past those. But if the sign's just kind of even everywhere, I mean, I'm, I'm typically in route to one of those more isolated areas. Yeah, th that's a excellent strategy and that's um kind of that reminds me a little bit of how i used to hunt um when we were we were in a hunting club for a long time a couple of decades um over in uh, jasper county okay south carolina right outside of um levy uh kind of between just that, just 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 before bluffton um mm -hmm. and uh yeah they, there was just a lot of you know wetland i mean some of that land that we used to lease, uh, there was a lot, a lot of old rice fields, um, you know, that were, you know, we're, people would grow rice back in the day and a lot of islands and dug, dug, you know, dug canals. And anyways, with all that, there, there was a ton of terrain that, you know, was wetland that, you know, you can't develop it, you can't do anything. And that would, that would kind of separate, 
the hardcore and the kind of casual hunters. And there's nothing wrong with casually hunting, but what you describe sounds, you know, sounds like you know where how to find the deer because you know some people want to roll in and they want to kind of go to more of an easy, easier type setup. And they're not really interested in maybe put, putting some hip waders on or some chest waders or a kayak mm-hmm. or, or just, you know, slugging through the, through some muck, you know, maybe see an alligator. I mean, you know, just not, you know, and that's how you definitely kill some deer for sure. That sounds, Absolutely. um, yeah, it, it, uh, you know, you get in there and you, you talk about hunting, hunting on the ground. I, I've been doing more and more of that over the years. It's just kind of a a case by case, like when it works out, but man, I don't know about you, but I mean, I could have a, uh, I could have an 80 pound doe step out if I'm on the ground and my heart's racing. Like when you see a deer, when you're on the ground and the deer's on the ground, especially if you're not, yeah, it, it just, it gets me so excited as opposed to like being up in a tree because you're just ground oh. level. It, it's just, it's a rush. Absolutely. It funny. You mentioned those hip boots. That has been the absolute best investment I've ever made as far as a public land standpoint goes. But um, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I always you know tell people I'd rather see two or three deer on, you know, sitting on the ground at eye level rather than, you know, a dozen sitting up in a tree, you know, w- within, within reason, but um, yeah. when you get yeah. them on the ground within, you know, 50, 75 yards. And that is, it, it creates a, a whole different level of, um, you know, just excitement, at least for me. And, um, you know, you, you really have to be a lot more careful about your movements. Um, and I kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I turkey hunt a lot as well. And so I'd like to kind of use some of those skills I've developed turkey hunting with that as well, just, you know, being still and controlling your movement and, um, you know, trying to blend in with your, with your surroundings the best as you can. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you're right. It, it takes, you know, that much more effort when you're on the ground. Um, I, when I do it, I, I usually, I've got a little Turkey stool and I just kind of sit up a, I just kind of post up under a tree like I would Turkey hunting Mm -hmm. and I've got a bipod. Um, I've done it some with a bow, but man, I, I know some guys that will bow hunt the ground, sitting on the ground, but I mean, I, that's, that is hardcore as it gets. Oh yeah. I mean that, that, that but, but I, you know, I've got a little bipod that's, that it's not connected to my rifle, but when I'm locked, when I'm hunkered down and I'm on that Turkey stool, my back's up against a tree and I got that bipod with my seven mag. I mean, you, you're, you are, you are locked down tight. I mean, I, I mean, I shoot better than I do from a deer stand. And then of course you've got the better angle. When you're on the ground, whether it's a bow or rifle, you're going to penetrate that deer much better than if you were 20 feet up. Um, you know, it's just a better angle. You're going to get more penetration um, going straight through the deer as opposed to, you know, angling one way or the other. Absolutely. Yeah. It, like you said, it just, it just creates a whole nother level of just, it, it, it raises the intensity for sure. Yeah. So uh, during, during the rut, for instance, do you do any kind of tactics, um, calling, grunt, bleak call, rattling, scent? Um, do you do anything different or you just go in and, you know, try to, you know, just hunt them? I, I don't change it up a ton. I mean, I know some guys will. Um, but again, during, I mean, during the rut, 
you know, those isolated areas when it comes to the public land, I mean, the, like you, like we talked about earlier, you know, those deer are, are hunting the doves. They're not, you know, they're not just eating, sleeping and hiding, you know, it's, they're out there trying to, trying to ch chase the does. So in those situations, I'll get in, I'll get in some of those um, bigger woods type settings um, and, you know, hunt some of the transitions between the pines and the swamp or, um, you know, some of the areas in there, they'll go in and thin and, uh, or clear cut or whatever. And, you know, just kind of same, same sort of, um, strategies I've, you know, used with different leases and, um, I, I try to apply in there, but, um, I will get a little bit more aggressive with the, with the calling, um, rattling and grunting mainly. I don't, I haven't used, um, a, a doe bleat as much as I'd like to. That's kind of something I'd want to maybe try and pull out of the pull out of the bag this year but um you know I, I definitely will increase the the calling um and it's I mean you never know what's about to show up in there that's the that's the beauty of it and if you see one that's you know a quality deer on public land that's it's, it's a lot of fun definitely very rewarding yeah yeah I I I call a decent amount. I, I think I've, I think I'm getting towards figuring out when the best time to rattle. And I, I, I years past, I was probably doing a little bit earlier. Um, but past two years, I've had a very good amount of su success rattling both in Georgia and South Carolina, uh, the, right at the end of October and early November. Um, and, you know, our bucks start chasing and some of the first does are going to heat at our farm, usually mid-October, pretty soon. And um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's more of a timing thing. I mean, I, I, I personally think it is more of a timing with, with the rattling. But at the same time, it's like you got to have that deer. You got to have a buck, you know, that is in earshot range, but then it's in the right mood. It's got to be in the right mood um to come want to check out a fight or a you know a grunt or bleed you know maybe it's and if, and if it's already with a doe i mean he's not going to move i mean i you know it's it's um that's certainly tough you know trying to so it's and then when you call and nothing happens then you just i mean at least for me I, i'm sitting there thinking like i i just i just educated i mean i just that i definitely won't see a deer at that point you know when you right when you call um, and then you don't see anything, but then you kind of wonder like how many times you call and you got something's attention and it came in to investigate, but maybe you didn't do it a little bit more. So we, so we came in close. Um, but I, you know, what they say about bucks, it doesn't happen all the time, but it is pretty damn accurate that if you rattle that buck's going to come in, whether it's young or old downwind. He's going to circle in down right. when, unless for some reason there's like a train issue to where he can't quite get in there. He's going to come in down when, so you always got to be, always got to be, uh, always got to be ready. So what do you hunt with? Do you, do you, do you bow hunt rifle? What's your, what do you do? I am a seven millimeter 08 guy. I have not bought a bow yet. Um, that's something I'm planning on doing in the spring. Um, I've, I've started traveling a lot to, um, I haven't traveled as much to deer hunt as much as I wanted to, but, um, for turkeys and ducks, I've been traveling a lot the past few years. So I know 
just out west that gives you a lot more versatility if you got a bow in your hand versus a rifle um a lot more dates to hunt and that kind of thing so as of right now seven millimeter 08 um it's been the gun same gun i've shot since i was nine years old and i'm a bigger guy and uh, it looks funny on me because it's a i mean it's a small little gun um but it, it gets the job done for me and i've you know people get all all sorts of just been out of shape talking about this caliber you know oh, yeah. this grain yeah. this bullet this that the other i mean at the end of the day it comes down to shot placement i mean it's it as long as you have a quality bullet and you know any of the the popular um deer hunting calibers i mean the deer's not going to go very far um and it, i don't i'm not really comfortable taking you know these daniel boone type shots that some of these guys are you know way past you know 200 250 yards so it gets the job done for me but um i'm definitely planning on venturing into the uh into the bow and arrow world here in the spring and learning about all that stuff i know there's that's a hot topic right now between all the different types of broadheads and bow speeds and oh know, yeah all that stuff it, it, it yeah i mean it's um yeah i mean you talking about archer equipment is like talking about like pickup trucks or boats yeah. or people. I mean, it's everyone's got their own opinion and it's just, uh, there's just so many options. That's what I shoot. I, I shoot a seven millimeter weight, um, 150 grain. And it's, I've been shooting that same Weatherby rifle since, oh man, sometime in high school, I think it was maybe like, I think I got that maybe like in, 99 or 2000 it's just i mean just a damn good gun and and like what you said i mean you know you got a good gun you got a good bullet you know what it does it's highly effective i mean i why switch things up i've had a bow for probably seven years and, and i like it um but it um you're you're just so limited i mean i mean like everything you said today um, you're very, very limited. I mean, like this buck, you know, yeah, you could have pursued him with a bow, but man, I mean, like that, that buck I killed in August, I wouldn't have killed him with a bow. If I had, if right. I had, if I had a bow with me and for some reason, everything was the same and he showed up where he did. Yeah. He was in bow range, but I, it, it was a horrible angle. And for him, mm-hmm. if he would have kept walking, I highly doubt I would have killed him with a bow because he would have, he, he would eventually have, have winded me before I got a good comfortable shot. So you, you talk about like this kind of deer density, these numbers. Um, I mean, it's, it's, um, there's no reason in my, my opinion to not hunt with a rifle. It's effective. And, and the deer don't really, in my opinion, the deer don't really get as spooked. I think as people think when you shoot a rifle now, if you, if there's deer in a field and you shoot in said field, yeah, they're going to run off. But I've been, I mean, there's so many times at our our farm where I'm hunting, other people hunting and someone shoots, there's a rifle shot, not far away. Deer don't care. They're not, they're not spooking off. If it's, if it's the next standover, if it's right in front of them sometimes, but I tell you a lot of times I've shot, especially like a larger field or like in the timber where it's kind of, it's not too tight. It's kind of made like, like thin pine trees. You shoot, maybe you kill a deer and it runs off or drops dead. And the other deer, they just don't know where the hell it came from. I mean, they heard it, but they don't know where it came from. 
Right, right. That's I was as as you were talking about that, I had this the same sort of situation come to mind. I same property two years ago, I killed a 125 inch eight point and uh shot him and within five minutes there was 10 more deer out in the field from the same direction he just ran um and it that that really really stood out to me um and i I, same thing that you just mentioned you know it it doesn't seem to affect him as much as you'd think in in a lot of cases um that's that was part of the reason why I was still pretty confident that that buck that my buddy killed last week was still going to stay around after he had been shot near when I've shot at the other buck and, and missed. And then, um, when he had been shot at by my friend and missed. So, um, that, that I had just gone back to that same story or same thought about the buck from two years ago. And I mean, you know, it, they, they really just don't seem to care as much as you'd think. Yeah, I, I, um, I've yet, I'm, I'm just thinking, I don't think I've come across any kind of, um, research study, like a GPS type collar study, um, where I know there was one that, that I referenced, um, actually, I, I think I referenced, um, on a couple of different articles. There's been, there's been some different studies. I, th- I think it's, I think it's the Brosnan forest. I think that's what okay. it is in South Carolina. In, um, in Alabama? No, in South Carolina. I, I oh, might sorry. have that wrong. I think it starts with a B. Okay. Um, but I think it's it's like 6,400 acres. And they've done um, they've done a lot of research studies there. But it's been about um, – there was one that was published by the National Deer Association um, where they uh, – they were tracking human pressure on deer stands, basically like how long a stand, how long it takes to recover after someone hunts it. And they were using, um, yeah, Brosnan forest. Brosnan. Um, I think, yeah, because North, North, excuse me, Norfolk Southern, which I think is a, a railroad company, I think owns it 14,000 acres. Um, anyways anyways that wasn't necessarily a study that was based on people like shooting at deer or like killing them and other deer in the area so what i'm getting at is like you know i I think sometimes people get way too caught up in like they over over analyze everything i mean that's what we that's what we as hunters do i mean we're sitting here at our house recording a podcast talking about deer you know we're talking about how we're going to kill these bucks and during the rut and this and that. And that's, that's all we think about. Now, of course, I'm not going to tell my wife that's all I think about, but it's pretty much <laughs> all I think about. Right. Meanwhile, you know, these animals, they are born in the wild and they die, die in the wild and they live a pretty, pretty damn harsh life. And so my point is like, I mean, like how many times do you think those deer that y'all saw in those fields how many times do you think they got pushed out or bumped out of those fields or spooked off throughout the summer? I mean, since 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 the crop was at, at a stage where they could eat it, they probably get bumped out of those fields every other night by, you know, a coyote or a wild dog or just some just some matriarch does that are just spooky. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean, how many times have you been hunting on a field or somewhere and, and you get some does that just get rattled at something that's not you? You know, they're, mm-hmm. 
they're not downwind. And I mean, so you got to think these, these deer are constantly just, just being bumped around. And, and, and I mean, that's their, their prey species. So it, it makes sense that the rifle shocks don't really affect them as, as much as we think. Um, Absolutely. And, and with the property that I've been hunting now, um, that place backs up to um, another big property, basically all on one side. And then the, the front of it is um, on a highway. The, the one side of it backs up to a big property. The back of it is all marsh. But then the other side, which is happened to be where this buck was, backs up to probably 10 or 15 different houses. Um, so, I mean, with that, I mean, you, you'll hear people playing music in the deer stand. You'll hear <laughs> dogs barking, you'll hear chickens in the morning. You'll hear pet geese. I mean, just yeah, literally anything and everything you can think of those deer are hearing it. Um, which I think kind of plays to an advantage sometimes, but you're, you're exactly right. I mean, they, we, like you said, you mean you sit here and plan, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go down. This is what I think I need to do, but they're still wild deer. They're still able to do, I mean, they can pick up and leave and go five miles away from your property and you'll never see a specific buck again. Um, yeah, exactly. And it just, it, especially there too. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big piece of property, but there's somebody living on it permanently and there are farmers in there all the time. So they're always getting bumped around for sure. And, 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 and see like, and I look at like, okay, so I can say I now look at that as a good thing. If you were to ask, if you would have said that uh, or mentioned that, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, um, I probably would have been like, well, I, I would have thought differently. But I noticed <laughs> something at our farm and, and I didn't notice it in real time. I noticed it like way after it had already changed. But, you, you know, like there's this fine line of like pressure, like, you know, just like normal pressure, farmers, forester tractors, food plot stuff, what, whatever it is, just kind of basic human pressure, like non-hunting pressure. And I know some people want their property to be like isolated where you only go in there to hunt. You know, it's just, it's only managed for deer, but we don't really have, there's not that many places that I know of in the South because, you know, I mean, in the South you're growing trees or you're growing crops and it's, you know, it's, it's a working farm. But anyways, I, I, I noticed something where when we first got the farm, you would bump deer in your truck. You would drive up and down the road, you bump deer. But then after a while, you just didn't until, unless you stopped right. the truck, got out, walked a little bit around your truck. And all of a sudden four does would just blast out of a thicket right on top of the road. So they get used to it, which I think is a good thing. Cause you, you know, you don't want to harass them or, you know, but it is good so that when you do go into hunt, the, there's a little bit of pressure they're used to and that they're comfortable with, um, you know, just not everything, just not. Right. Um, with you. So you're at, you're in Charleston, you hunt around that area. Do you have um, a preferred deer processor that you could recommend? Um, Cause I'm not familiar uh, with, with really anything out there. I mean, you, do you have a go-to one that, that you like, or do you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Cordray's is without a doubt the, the best one I've been to for anywhere. I mean, you know, again, like you mentioned about people talking about bullets or broadheads or trucks. I mean, everybody's got their own processor or taxidermist that they think is the best, but we've been taking our deer there, driving 
sometimes, you know, when we used to hunt other areas, well over an hour just to take our deer there. Um, they're right there. I don't even know exactly what you call that area. It's kind of a mixture of a few kind of Adams run, uh, red top It's it's on County line road. Um, basically about 15 minutes outside of West Ashley. And it, they are just uh, as well run of a processor as you'll find, um, that, you know, quality prices and they do also do great taxidermy work. Um, so basically if I kill it and it's either, you know, going on the wall or any, any sort of animal that's going on the wall or, you know, something that I would rather have processed than clean myself. It's, it's going there. Yeah. I, one of these days I'm going to take a deer there. Um, I see their stuff. I, I see people post, um, different bucks or, or just big ass alligators get killed there. Yeah. Um, so I, one of these days I'm going to drive in because I, um, I take some to a place in great outdoors in Bowman, um, which is a little bit closer to me than, than a Cordry's, but I, it, one point at some point I'm, I'm going to, because I, I tell you it, it, when you find a good processor that knows what they're doing, I mean, it, it, you can't beat that. You, you just can't, there's way too many processors out there that just open up shop and, you know, during the hunting season, they don't really know what they're doing. You know, they, they don't, no. they're not, they're not butchers or they're not, they're, they, you know, they don't, well, that's good to know. Yeah. One of these days I, I, I will take a deer there. Um, mm -hmm. Well, it'll be worth your time. I can promise you that they, like yeah. I said, they do, they do a great job. Well, awesome. Um, we'll start to wrap this up. I'm going to ask the same three questions. I ask everybody. Um, first one here, if you can give us, give us a recommendation. Um, sometimes like, you know, hunting related content, uh, maybe a book, um, a media content, another podcast or, platform to read articles just maybe something that um that has benefited you in some in some form or fashion hunting yeah um so i would say there's a couple that immediately come to mind um i would say the land podcast um you, i know you had jay kofer on um recently yeah. mm -hmm. and that i'm i'm getting my real estate license here very soon i'll be selling land for um crosby land company out of walterboro and you know, I'm only 23 and, you know, listening to these guys that are just a little bit older than me talk about, you know, kind of the same process I've gone through as far as, you know, thinking like for buying, buying land personally, you know, thinking that it's, you know, unachievable and you got to have all this crazy amount of money saved up and, um, you know, it, that it's just way, way too daunting of a task to do when you're, when you're younger hearing these guys come on there and, um, you know, talk about their processes of how they've been able to do it has just been completely eye opening to me. Um, so from a land standpoint, um, you know, just the land steward standpoint, I would say, uh, the land podcast has been great. Um, whitetail habitat solutions. Um, he's, he's awesome on, yeah. um, on Instagram, YouTube, and then, um, probably my, my favorite overall hunter and just person to to keep up with is um is dave owens with the pinhody project he's more of a, a turkey hunter but um, oh yeah yep i mean you can learn anything and everything from watching him and how he processes information 
that's coming to him, you know, from historical to current. I mean, just, just the way that he hunts and the way he carries himself hunting so much public land and, and he, he just does things the right way. And, you know, you see all these different YouTube channels and, and, you know, these so-called influencers just chasing basically the, the monetization side of it and chasing the money over, you know, just putting out quality content that, that, you know, anybody can, can benefit from. I think he does about as good a job as you could possibly imagine. Just again, just from showing people how to handle themselves, how to, how to process information when you're hunting and how to, how to scout well, how to, you know, be an effective, just an effective hunter overall and, and a good quality person in general. Um, he is, he, he does a great job of that. So I would say, I would say those three for sure. Yeah. That's some good recommendations. Yeah. Jake Hofer has a very good podcast and, and you're right, man. Like, like buying land. I mean, I, I it's very similar to, um, there's a, there's a lot of similarities in, in investing in residential or even commercial real estate. I mean, you people, a lot of people know about, you know, flipping houses, people flip, flip properties all the time. You buy a raw piece of land. It doesn't have to be a thousand acres. I mean, it could be 50 acres or a hundred acres, buy a raw piece of land, fix it up a little bit, improve the road system, plant some food plots, you know, and, and then, and then flip it because there's just like a house. You, you got people that want a project in a house that they want a blank canvas and they're going to renovate themselves. And then, and then, and then the other half of, of society, they want something turnkey and ready. They don't want to, they know what they like and they don't have time for that stuff or, um, or maybe they don't have the cash on hand to do it. They want to finance it and they want to buy something already ready to go. And there's a lot of people in the hunting world that, especially where you are in Charleston, I see a lot where I am in, you know, Savannah on the coast, you get people that, you know, have some money and they want some land, uh, for themselves. And a lot of people, if they're in that position, if they're in that position where they're a little bit older, they've, they're established, they have some, you know, have some income to spend or rather invest they want a lot of people want something that uh is already kind of ready to rock and roll that they don't have to like build up and you know you know turn a farm into something a good hunting property so yeah i mean you can and i, and I know jake talk talks about that all the time on his podcast mm -hmm. and crosby is a great company i i know a guy that works works there they, they are, they're they're kind of all over that's a great company to mm -hmm be associated with all right second question would do you have a a, a favorite kind of go-to uh wild game dish i mean i know you turkey hunt duck it doesn't, doesn't have to be venison just something where like you know if it's if it's you know if someone told you you can only eat one wild game dish for the next you know year you're going to choose this one just you know one meal something that you just look forward to yeah i not really uh getting too far off the main track here i i would say it is hard to beat just a good backstrap um with just yeah. you know some good butter and salt and pepper i mean just that's hard to beat and then um a buddy and i kind of figured out a, a burger recipe that's a little bit different than how most people do it just with typical um venison and uh ground venison and that has been that's that's probably if i had to choose one i would go with that just because you can entertain a lot of people you know make burgers that you know 
say somebody, you know, doesn't really hunt a whole lot and you can, you know, provide a good meal for them, you know, maybe that backstrap might be a little, you know, they're not quite used to that type, a little more gamey taste compared to, you know, your, your $20 ribeye or whatever. Um, that just being able to give somebody a good tasty burger, I think would be that, that'd probably have to be my favorite. Yeah. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat this too, a backstrap, uh, or a burger. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's hard to beat those, especially you get a good burger mix, um, whether your processor does burger patties or like we said, if if you have your own recipe, I mean, it, it, one, the person eating it is is not going to, they won't be able to tell a difference that it's venison as opposed to another type of, you know, type of beef or maybe some pork mixed in. They won't, they won't be able to tell. And it's, um, it's, it's damn sure hard to beat that. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right. Last question. What, what's something you think is on your mind? Um, you think people should know about, uh, related to conservation in the Southeast? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, you hunting that national forest and I mean, based on where you hunt and, and what you're hunting with deer, turkey and, and, and dogs, you, you probably have come across something that you've seen firsthand that, that, that you think kind of be on people's radars, whether they're, you know, hunt public land or maybe they have some land themselves and their property owner, and maybe they can do something. I would say I would, pro- I would go with new hunter recruitment. Um, I would, it, it's been, it's been interesting for me the past couple of years, you know, hunting on somebody else's property as opposed to something that say me and my dad, at least um, it's, it's been very, very cool for me, even though I'm a little bit younger, I, I used to be, I would say I used to hunt a little bit more selfishly, um, you know, saving the, let's say the best duck hunts for, you know, your best friends. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you, you, you know, you're still going to, you're still going to do that to a certain degree or saving that, you know, that roosted Mm -hmm. turkey for, for somebody, but, um, you know, just getting people out and, um, you know, being able to just share those experiences with people that, that, you know, maybe they've never shot a gun before. It could be as simple as just taking them out to a shooting range and, you know, letting them shoot a pistol and a rifle or, you know, go throwing some skeet for them or something like that. Um, and then, you know, doing that during the summer and then being able to bring them and sit with them during a, during a deer hunt and, uh, you know, be able to, to explain everything that's going on and and talk to them about, you know, what, you know, everybody has their own opinion and it's, it's relative to, to each person, but there's, regardless of who you are, there's a little bit of a, of a guideline and, you know, just a way you should act when you're in the woods um and when you're you know where regardless of where you're hunting but especially on public land i mean there's just there's a way to go about things and there's a way to not go about things and you know getting those new hunters out there and um you know i I think that is just very very important especially if we want to you know continue to to push you know the the hunting industry and um, the hunting culture in the right direction, um, getting new people involved in it in the right ways, um, I think is very, very important. Yeah. I I think, I think it's pretty spot on. I mean, it kind of ties into your, you know, your hunt, you were talking about with your, with your buddy sitting with them. I mean, I I know your, your buddy's not, you know, a new hunter, but it, it, you know, just, you can, I mean, 
I know the answer to this, but I mean, you know, you, you kill a buck by yourself completely, you know, you're hunting by yourself, drag it out by yourself, driving the processor by yourself. It's great and all, but when you're, when your buddy's there or your father's there or grandfather or whoever, it, it, it's so much different. I mean, it, it, it's because, you know, a lot of times deer hunting's not looked that way, you know, duck hunting is and turkey hunting is or quail hunting because it's more of a social type event usually sometimes but yeah i mean deer hunting it's it's um you're spot on i mean it's you can get a ton of joy by just bringing someone with you um and them shooting something or them seeing and the other side too like what you said i mean as far as um you know introducing people and then talking to them about it because i you know it 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 uh you know just simply about you know, like hunting etiquette, you know, you were talking about public land, you know, do's and don'ts. Cause I mean, it's not, it, a lot of this stuff's not common knowledge and, you know, uh, sometimes I've noticed it sometimes as an adult, some new hunters that are adults might not take things serious, like as serious as they should. Um, and they may be a little more relaxed about it. And maybe if they hear you and I joke about certain things, they might, think things are a little bit lighter than what they really are but it's not i mean you know we you know it's it's you know you're out there in dangerous situations whether you're climbing a tree you could fall out and get injured if you're not wearing a safety harness or you know it's just there's there's a lot of different factors in there um so absolutely and quite frankly i i find you know people you know appreciate taking the time take them or talk to them and you know uh give them some advice and um, cause I mean, it's, you know, it's not like, you know, you can, you can read a lot about hunting, but you know, you got to get out there and do it. So, um, well, Kale, I appreciate you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, especially diving into, uh, this world, you know, up and down this Carolina coast and the low country. That's a lot of what I grew up hunting and, um, definitely brings back a lot of memories. And I, I that's some, that's some incredible hunting that you and your, you and your uh, buddy did, um, well, I appreciate that. It's definitely been a, a lot of fun talking to, you know, somebody that obviously cares about what's going on down here in the low country as far as deer hunting goes, you know, a whole bunch as well. So I, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Yeah. You, you tell, you, you tell Parrish that as well. I mean, I, that's some, that's some damn fine hunting to, to get in there and get after a buck like that, especially early season, um, setting up ground blind, getting aggressive and then dealing with all the other, deer out there and, and you are dealing with them all those does that maybe you're not going after young bucks i mean those are the ones that are going to ruin your hunt more than likely on a buck like that so um i appreciate you coming on and i i would like to get you back on maybe maybe towards the end of the season after your season's wrapped up maybe touch base with you and see how you did um, absolutely I'd, I'd love to do that talk about you know hunting public land and um so well thanks for coming on kale is there Oh yeah. Where, where can people find you if you want people to find you? <laughs> well, I definitely want them to find me considering the, uh, the, um, profession I'm about to be getting in. Um, right. I'm on Instagram at C A L E underscore L E W I S. Um, mainly on Instagram. And then, you know, there are not too many people named Kale. So type me in on Facebook, Kale Lewis, um, probably be a picture of me and my dog. Uh, it's a profile picture, big, tall goofy looking guy so um sounds like that's on that's on (laughs) that's on instagram and facebook and uh those are those are probably the best too 
Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. It, it's in, and I'll have you contact the show notes and, um, yeah, people definitely, definitely connect with kale. Cause, um, you know, you, once you get in that real estate world of land, um, you, you'll find that you'll, you'll get connected with all kinds of different, I mean, there's a direct link, you know, correlation with hunting. I mean, you, you know, you'll, you'll have connections that people that are looking for hunting leases or have hunting leases, um, different types of hunting land. And that's, that's a, that's a, that's a fun sector of real estate to be in for sure. Yep. I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, to grinding it out and sticking my nose in it and working hard. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't think for me personally, there's going to be much more of a more fulfilling way to try and make a living than getting to be outside in God's creation, doing, doing that kind of fun stuff and talking with people that want to, you know, have some of the same experiences that, um, that I know you and me both enjoy. That's right. Well, Cal, I appreciate it. Good luck. Um, you can be hunting this week. Any? Yes, sir. I should be, should be getting in the woods here in about three or four hours or nah, I guess about two hours. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah, that's right. You, you, you mentioned that earlier, but well, good luck. I'm, I'm, I'm out this week. We're, we're about to, um, we're about to head out of town. Um, and, uh, we're going to take the kids to, to Athens this, this weekend. They're on fall break and take them to the Georgia game. So I, th I thought about looking this morning. I had this crazy idea this morning, like, well, why don't I try to find some public land around Athens, GA? Uh, I know I, I know there's some there's some land I had Hunter Pruitt on early on the podcast, and he was talking about a place that he turkey hunts. I was like, man, if I try to lug my boat, my camo, and we're gonna be in one car, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea. My yeah. luck, my luck, that backfire with the family and the kids, and like, ah, uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta pick and choose. And that's probably not smart that I try that on a family. Trip. Right. I know how hard it is to remember just the stuff I need for myself, much less, um, a couple kids and a, and a wife. So I can, oh, yeah. I can only imagine. And I was smart enough at the time you mentioned that to the wife, I, I thought about, I was like, well, shit, if I mention this too, she's gonna, um, look at, look at me like I'm crazy. So, right. right. Well, Kale, I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. And, um, anything else you want to add? we wrap this up no sir i think we uh got it got it all covered so thank you again for for having me on and look forward to talking to you again soon appreciate it yeah let's let's uh, do this again and um thanks thanks for listening and we will see y'all next week